Grace Fellowship Church, greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, whether you're young or old, whether you are gathering in a Sunday home gathering as a household or by yourself, I pray that you would be able to worship the Lord with all your heart, pray with conviction, and lean into God's word that he might direct your path. And I also pray, as Titus 3.8 says, in light of grace that we have been given, be careful to devote yourselves to do good works. And I'm paraphrasing there. Uh, I know um, that over the past few weeks, I've been so appreciative that we have, as a church, been going through the One Another series. I know that it's been super helpful for me during this time to not think about myself, but how am I loving my brother and loving my neighbor during this time? And so, would you, one more time, lean into another week of one another. And so, if you would, pray with me. Glorious Father, we come to you now. Lead us into your presence. We give you our hearts, our minds, body, and soul. Help us, Lord. We need you. We need you for strength, endurance, wisdom. We need you to help us get outside of ourselves in order to love and bear with one another. God, unite us in your will that we may bring you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Have mercy, have
set the captives free It's all because of your love Lord, you gave your life for me So I will give my life for you It's all because of your love It's all because of your love today we'll be looking at what it means to bear with one another in love in Ephesians 4 1 through 6 so here it is Ephesians 4 1 through 6 as a prisoner for the Lord then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received be completely humble and gentle be patient bearing with one another in love make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. So this morning we continue in this One Another series where we're looking at what does it mean to be the church? What is the church? And in light of that, how do we engage one another, especially through hard and challenging times? And we look at another famous passage this morning, and our one another comes in verse 2, where Paul says, bear with one another in love. And what strikes me this week as I've thought about this passage is the pairing of verse 1 and verse 2, which feels a little bit surprising to me. And here's what I mean by that. Like verse 1 is so inspirational. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. I mean, here's Paul in prison encouraging his people, live a life worthy of the calling. This is like the kind of verse you get at a summer camp, you know, when you're growing up at a, at a church camp and the person's saying, we got to go out and change the world, live radical lives that are worthy of the calling. And then that comes with verse two, which says, bear with one another. 
And it's like this wah, wah, sort of anticlimactic, just kind of really like that's the inspirational application of a live life worthy of a calling. Bear with one another, not let us spur one another on. Let's inspire one another, but bear with one another, put up with one another, endure one another. And Paul goes immediately in verse two into life in what I would call the daily grind of ordinary, messy, broken relationships, especially with people who are different than us, but are in the same church community. And so it's a funny pairing in my mind. And I want to talk this morning about why it's actually the perfect pairing and why verse two is exactly what needs to be said in light of verse one. Why bearing with one another is precisely the life that is worthy of the calling we've received. So what I want to do is just kind of step back today and look at chapters two and three real briefly and remind ourselves, what is the gospel? What is the calling from God? In the light of that, how is bearing the perfect response to the calling? All right, so five-minute crash course on the gospel according to Ephesians chapter two and three. In a word, it is about what God has done in Jesus Christ, and the word is he has brought about reconciliation. He is doing a work of reconciliation in the, in the world, and he's doing it through the cross of Christ. And I think it's helpful to picture a cross as a visual illustration. You have the horizontal beam, uh, or sorry, the, the vertical beam and the horizontal beam. And really at the cross, what God does is he first, he reconciles us vertically to him. And then secondly, he reconciles us horizontally in our relationships with one another. So let's see how this works in Ephesians 2. So the beginning of Ephesians 2, Paul talks about the vertical reconciliation we have with God through the cross of Christ. And he starts chapter 2 by talking about how we were once alienated from God, how we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were destined for judgment. And then in verse 4, Paul says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And so he talks about that vertical reconciliation that God has brought about in Jesus as a sheer act of grace. But the vertical reconciliation is only half of God's plan. And so in the, in the rest of chapter 2, he talks about the horizontal reconciliation that God has brought about between people with one another. And in his context, he's talking about these two people groups who for centuries have been enemies, have been alienated from one another. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. And that day, they were enemies across every kind of line, racial lines, uh, cultural lines, religious lines, lifestyle lines, in every way, they were so alienated from one another. But in Jesus Christ, God is doing a work of reconciling these long-time enemies to one another. Verse 14 says it best. It's talking about Jesus. It says, For Jesus himself is our peace, who has made the two one, the two there being Jew and Gentile. He has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new person out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. It's 
beautiful passage about talking about God's purpose to create one new person out of Jew and Gentile, a reconciled people, to reconcile them both to God and therefore to reconcile them to each other. Through the cross, there's now one body, one community, one family. And this was a radical thing in the first century. I mean, this had never been done before to see Jews and Gentiles coming together within the same church, worshiping together, people so different across all these lines, being reconciled to one another. It was a clunky experiment, but it was a beautiful thing that was happening. And then in chapter 3, Paul goes on to say, actually, this thing that is new in the first century was part of God's plan all along. This was the mystery that God had planned throughout the ages, was to form a reconciled people from all nations and tribes and languages. In the Old Testament, it was primarily a Jewish thing, but his his intent was that always it would be about reconciliation of all sorts of people together. And so in chapter 3, verse 10, Paul says it this way, God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And the key phrase there is manifold wisdom. And that word manifold means multicolored or diverse. The idea is that in the church, God is weaving together this multicolored tapestry of Jew and Gentile. Today we would say of black and white, of male and female, of rich and poor, of young and old, this diversely woven community, bringing them together into one family. And the watching world, this verse is saying, will look at this diverse, multicolored family and ask, you know, these people have no business being together. They have nothing in common. What is keeping these people together so that they love one another? And what it will point them to, as the verse says, is the wisdom of God. They'll see this community and they'll they'll say, wow, their God is truly wise and truly great and truly awesome that he could do something like this and make it actually work. All right, so that is the gospel in Ephesians, that God is reconciling this diverse group of people to himself and to one another and their relationships together are to testify to the world of the wisdom and the power and the greatness of God. That's the gospel. So let me just make two points before we go on to look at verse 2. Okay, First, just notice how communal, how relational the gospel is in Paul's language. And I'll just say personally, I've been confronted lately with what an individualistic lens I often bring to the gospel and to the Bible. I read this as primarily having to do with me and my own spiritual journey or or my relationship with God. And I'm reminded in Ephesians that the gospel is really not about me. And it's not even about me and God, though it obviously includes that, but the gospel is about a people. God is in the world forming a people for himself whose relationships together bear witness. My life is not the primary witness to the gospel. It's our lives together in the church, our relationships. That's the primary witness to the gospel. And it also just reminds me, and this needs to be said, especially in a moment like this, that things like racial reconciliation are at the very heart of what the gospel is, right? Fundamental to what the church is, is it is to be a reconciled community along racial lines, across racial lines, I mean. 
and not just racial, of course, but across cultural and, and gender and age and personalities. It is to be this diverse group of people that that is at the heart of what the gospel is and what the witness to the world is. Okay, so with that gospel in mind, the calling that God has given us in verse 10 in mind, now I think verse 2 actually makes perfect sense, right? This reconciled community is called to unity. Verse 3, look at verse 3. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And the question is, how do you maintain unity with one another? And there's lots of answers to that question, but Paul's answer here is this, and it ain't flashy. You bear with one another in love. Sometimes you just bear with one another, and you do that in love. You put up with each other's strange quirks and the confusing differences between y'all and Jews and Gentiles in the first century. So much confusion, so much to bear with one another. You endure misunderstandings with one another. You take relational hits sometimes, and you do it for the sake of unity. And I love in verse 2 is that Paul prefaces this command to bear with one another with three words that really need to be spoken. Literally, verse 2 reads this, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bear with one another in love. So first, humility. It's that posture we talked about a couple weeks ago that says, I'm really not that big of a deal. My needs really aren't the most important thing. This is about something so much bigger than me, humility. Second word, gentleness, or I prefer the translation meekness. And meekness is not weakness, it is restraint. It is choosing to restrain yourself when you could assert yourself. And then finally, this word patience. The literal Greek is long-tempered, and long-tempered is obviously the, the opposite of being short-tempered, right? It's letting things bear out a long time before you retaliate. Here's the, the definition of patience that I, I heard. It is a state of emotional calm in the face of provocation or misfortune and without complaint or irritation. Wow. Humility, meekness, patience. That's what is required to bear with one another well. And I think those words need to be heard, especially in times like this. As I think about bearing with one another, uh, it strikes me that our culture has probably not set us up well to bear with one another well. I mean, right? We, we grew up being taught how to assert our rights and our opinions and our views and how to promote those. We grew up thinking of ourselves as consumers, expecting really good customer care. And if we don't get that, we're quick to complain. Uh, we have grown up in a, in a culture of instant gratification where we expect quick results. All of that, none of that, I should say, has set us up for what I would call the slow grind of bearing with one another in real relationships. And yet every real and lasting relationship requires a significant amount of simply bearing with one another, right? I mean, every marriage, every marriage that lasts just requires a lot of bearing with one another. Parenting requires a lot of bearing. And the church requires a lot of bearing with others and their faults, with leaders in the church and their faults and limitations, and even with yourself and your own 
faults and limitations. There's just a lot of bearing that has to take place. And I just think, especially in this current climate that we're in, right? I mean, just that simple idea of what would it, what would it look like? What would it look like this to, to bear with one another through this? When there's so many differences of opinion and convictions and, and thoughts and everything that's going on, how can we just bear with one another sometimes? So that's the command for the day. Bear with one another. It's hard work. It's not flashy. It's not inspiring. But it's exactly what is needed for a reconciled community. And Mark's going to lead us in a prayer on just considering how we can be bearing with others in this time. But before he does that, I want to just leave you with the example of Jesus. And to say this week, let us, as we think about bearing with one another, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who was the great bearer of the faith. And you think about what he had to bear to reconcile us to God and to one another. First Peter says it this way, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. And think about what he is willing to bear even today, even every day in order to be in relationship with us. And this was really convicting this week. I, I just thought about like personally, the things that Jesus bears with in me every single day, the pride, the hypocrisy, the lack of love and sacrifice, the half-heartedness, the selfishness, selfishness, all of these things that he daily bears in me so that we can continue to have a loving relationship with one another because, of course, of his sacrifice on the cross. Every day he is bearing with me, which is to say every day I stand in his grace, and that is the gospel. And so the question for us this week is, what does it mean to stand in that grace of a Savior who bears with us? And how can we offer that same grace to one another that we ourselves have received? Which is to say, how can we bear with one another in love? Whenever we encounter God's word, we should be asking ourselves, how, Lord, do you want me to respond to this? What does it mean to be faithful here? And I think the best first step in getting answers to those kinds of questions is a prayerful step. So let's take some time for ourselves and go to the Lord in prayer right now. Let's consider for a moment the people God has placed in your life. Some are easy for you, some are hard for you, for any number of reasons. Is there a particular relationship that you are really finding hard to bear with right now? If so, let's take a moment to bring that relationship to the Lord and surrender it to Him now. Lord, we need the fruit of your Spirit to permeate our lives and find faithful expression towards these people in our lives. We need your love and patience and kindness and long-suffering and self-control. We need your humility. In your great mercy and generosity, fill us with your Spirit 
in these ways. And Father, as we navigate these contentious times and the issues that are taking center stage in our country and our community, would you help us to relate to one another and bear with one another in ways that reflect the love of Christ in the midst of all of this? Let's just take a moment now to reflect on your posture around a particular issue where you're having to bear with people. Maybe it's surrounding this COVID pandemic or the racial convulsions that our country is going through and the conversations around that. Or maybe it's related to politics and the values you hold dear or policies that matter to you or the politicians you like or despise and your conversations around that. Let's just take a moment to offer all of that to God right now. Father, whatever it may be for us, and I imagine any one of these issues, if not all of them, are playing on us in some profound ways right now, in one way or another. And we know one thing is painfully obvious to us. The way of our world, our news feeds, the general climate and spirit of these national conversations are not helping us right now. So Lord, help us to see the way of Jesus in all this. Help us to navigate these contentious waters in a way that shows the world a different way, a way of humility, being quick to listen with a heart to understand. That we might be slow to speak, not reactive, but wise and thoughtful and filled with your Spirit. May we show the world a better way for the sake of your name and your glory. We need you, Lord, to help us in these ways, and we're grateful that we can bring all of this and everything else to you in prayer. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Behold the Lamb who bears our sins away, slain for us. So we. Oui.
so we share in this bread of life and we drink of his sacrifice as a sign of our bonds of grace around the table of the King. Well, we hope that you have been encouraged this morning, and we invite you now to consider some of the reflection questions that we'll put up on the screen for you. And let us just close this time with this benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.